time to settle in for another episode of Deep in the Horror of Texas with your hosts, Aaron, Jeff, and Nathan. You gotta be fucking kidding. Oh, hey, you okay? Oh, damn enchilada. Oh, you gonna be all right? I'm feeling woozy, yeah. Oh, what's in the box? The black is tied. What's in the fucking box? Nothing. Stop the front on Welcome to another episode of Deep in the Horror of Texas. I am Aaron. I'm the man with the name, Jeff. I have my Ahab. I'm Nathan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and in this episode, we're reviewing kind of like a like a hidden gem, an indie gem that's that's been out for, well, a good 10 years now. Yeah. Came out in 2006. Uh, may, it's mainly been you know spread by mouth how good it is. Passed around like a dirty, dirty whore oh, through yeah. the entrees of the internet. I've got ten dollars. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, it's it's uh, you have to kind of see this movie to actually enjoy it. You know, it's it's really hard to talk about, and uh, because it's a it's not really a movie. It's a mockumentary. But uh, it's we're talking about uh, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Whoa. What was your introduction to this one? Um, I read about it on Fangoria. I read about it uh, extensively. It was it was doing well in the festival circuits, and I actually caught it in theaters. I had to hunt down the one only theater in Houston, and I was able to see it really, um, really early. I mean, I think I saw it opening day, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was pretty much when it premiered here in Houston, though. I caught it in theaters. Was it Alma? No, no, no. This is definitely River Oaks or Angelica back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I actually might even lean towards <laughs> Greenway area, but it was a more of the art house theater mm-hmm. that just happened to run, like Aaron said, a real indie uh, film. Now, whenever you went, was the theater packed or was it empty? Or was it, it was maybe like five, ten people in there with me. But hey, it was for like a, maybe a three to five p.m. showing because I'm a kind of a matinee kind of guy. Got those Groupons. I don't like the full price shit. <laughs> that I, I I'm just not attracted to theater like big theater crowds. I know a lot of people like the big theater crowds because they get like a, a a funner experience, but not for me. I like a more you know, yeah, private screening. Exactly. Okay. Got his third thumb out. What was your first introduction? Introduction uh, to this shit, man. Um. I heard about this movie around the time it was coming out, but I didn't have a lot of interest in it. Um, I bought the DVD, or actually, I'm sorry, I bought bought the Blu-ray, and it sat on my shelf in its wrapping, you know, in its wrapping for fucking damn near two years before it. I believe I talked to you, Aaron, and you mm-hmm. you told me how much you enjoyed this. And I think the thing that caught my attention is you said that it's connected to all the slashers they mentioned Haddonfield they mentioned Jason they mentioned Freddy that piqued my interest see what the fuck they were doing with that and uh fuck three years after (laughs) collecting dust I popped some bitch in I I really enjoyed it uh like Jeff said it's a mockumentary uh kind of different for its time uh it's not Blair Witch style where it's shaky cam and kind of shaky cam it's definitely handheld, but it's not where you can't tell what the fuck's going on. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it kind of switches from that to like a normal, yeah, normal production. So, uh, yeah, that was my intro. I heard about it, didn't really have a lot of interest. So I'm kind of coming in as the newbie. I've seen this movie maybe twice. Gotcha. I, I was uh, introduced to it uh, Texas Ratmere Weekend 2008. Uh, Anchor Bay had a booth there, and they were doing contests uh, daily. So where you win, you win DVD or Blu-rays, uh, depending on what trivia or thing you did to gain attention. And uh, on the last day, uh, I won this movie. They are like, "Okay, here, here you go." I'm looking at this movie, and it's got this goofy mask on the, the like the cover, like the the slipcase that kind of unfolds. I'm thinking, this looks stupid. This looks lame. Is this uh one of the ones you won with uh WrestleManiac brother? Uh no. Or Evil Dead? Evil Dead. Ah, gotcha. yeah, Evil Dead. 
uh, yeah, I won this and I won the Evil Dead like Ultimate Edition on a uh, on DVD and a few other things too. Uh, WrestleManiac was on uh, set the day before. But uh, I won it, and I, I took it home, and I showed the wife. And I was like, hey, check out all these damn moves I won from going to Texas Frightmare. And uh, I put it on the shelf, and it sat there. But I kept hearing people talk about, it's good. You need to watch it. It's really good. I'm like, this looks stupid. The mask looks dumb. It looks hokey and cheesy. I mean, even for me, there's a certain level of cheese I can't just I just can't take. No. There is sometimes. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, everybody's shaking their heads. Yes, impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. Improbable. But uh, I finally watched it, and I was just blown away about how good it was. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of the slashers, then yeah, you're going to enjoy it. They make references to a lot of uh, the cult favorites that the people enjoy, and that's what kind of sucked me in. And then the story and the plot and the twists and everything were just really well done. And a lot of these people are just no-names. I mean, except for the main character who's coming off of Home Alone 20 years before that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these people are really no-names. And there's there's a lot of cameos from other horror icons that are in here. So there's something for everybody in this well, movie. Well, why don't we get into it? Uh, you you got a little bit of a yeah. plot, I imagine, seeing how you're the fan. I mean, the first part of it, or the majority of the film is shot uh, as a documentary set in a world where the killer's... You know, in famous slasher films that we know them are real. You know, they really exist. And a female journalist and her uh, two cameramen are prepared to document uh, this new slasher kind of coming up, Leslie Vernon, as a, you know, he's he wants to join the ranks at these as these slasher icons and villains. He wants to make his name. And so he's plotting and planning uh, his goal of doing that. And uh you know, he takes his identity from an ur- from an urban legend uh, in the town that he's at, and uh, you, he's gaining you know his you know his cult following or his uh what do you call it his mythology from a from things that happened to a little boy to uh, give him like a bit like a bigger and kind of revengeful backstory. So uh, yeah, kind of like how Jason drowned in Crystal Lake, and yeah, and Freddie burned alive yeah. from the parents. You know, he's, he, he's got a mythology to base it off of. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of goes. So I mean, the, the movie opens up with uh, with the the main character Taylor and their cute cameraman standing outside of uh, the, his residence. You know, his the you know the the famous house where the this boy drowned, uh, and they're filming, and. Uh, they, they they record like a little intro, and as they finish the intro, this is where the movie takes off because she's saying, "Hey, did you see that? Wait a minute, the curtain moved. Did you see that? Misdirection. Hey, there's somebody mm-hmm. behind the shed. Did you see that? Yeah. Complete misdirection. Yeah. To to get you to, okay, something's happening. Something's really happening, and uh, it just really goes from there. Uh, the very first opening shot that you actually see in the movie is is production. It's not. You know, the shaky camera, you know, documentary stock camera. It is of a waitress coming out, throwing trash away and getting spooked and, you know, setting up the basis of a horror film. Then we meet our main hero or heroine and uh, you kind of revisit that scene, but you're shown it in a different light after that happens. Yeah, I love I love how it uh, like you said, it, it plays with the other one like. It opens in this, uh, the chick from Home Alone, I, what's her name in this? Taylor? Taylor. Yeah, she's she's standing in front of the Elm Street house and yes. talking about Michael Myers and Jason and Fred. We've got the Michael in Haddonfield and the, the Jason Voorhees of Crystal Lake. Like, it's all set in the world. And she's like, we've met this man, Leslie Vernon. And as Aaron said, they go to his house and... and kind of are like interviewing him he's just kind of a down-to-earth guy i found that so fucking weird like he was just like yeah here's my turtles <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> fucking weirdo he's, he's like what would you say like you know the difference between plants and turtles he can't really kill them yeah <laughs> he's a he's an odd duck but he's uh, he's 100 just a, like a normal dude and uh <clears throat> they go to this restaurant and he's like this is my my final girl, so to speak, like we're going to play tricks on her and whatnot and set up the scares. Like in this movie, they plot out like in slasher movies, when someone runs around a corner and the killer's there and they run a mile down the road and the killer's there, 
they kind of show you how that happens with this movie. I, I fucking, I really dig the originality of this one. Uh, yeah, because I mean, the when the ter- the character really takes off, it's like when you realize that the documentary crew's kind of following because his whole goal in life is to kind of become a master in fear, to kind of really uh, be a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers or a Freddy Krueger. And uh, basically, they're just there to document um, his uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's really like the the main cliche of the sh- uh, of the film is that every little neat thing you see that happens in a, uh, one of your favorite slasher films, there's a trick to it, and it's mm-hmm. cool to see Leslie Vernon kind of tip the hat and show you uh, the behind the scenes of it. And what's funny is that the film was originally going to be called just straight up Behind the Mask, but due to the fourth Hannibal film carrying the original title, the original title for the fourth Hannibal film was going to be Behind the Mask, so they had to change it to Behind the Mask of Leslie Vernon and all that shit. The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Uh, But Hannibal's fourth film actually uh, became Hannibal Rising, so I guess it was kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a neat. Uh, trivia piece right there but as uh leslie escalates his stuff i mean it's pretty neat to see the links that he goes to to kind of set up these tricks and like you said about the opening scene it plays like your basic uh run of the mill uh you know scare factor for the, the the main waitress girl but you see even the documentary crew get in on the uh the fun and mm-hmm. that was just fucking awesome uh, I remember taking the wife when we saw this in theater. Really, like like I said, like opening day or not the the week opening weekend, and we uh, had a good laugh because it was uh, more fun than we expected. Because the trailer presented itself to be a horror comedy, but to the extent that it went, it was uh, it caught us off guard because it was it was very well done. Yeah, this this movie has a bunch of hidden trivia and fun little facts like. In the beginning, when she's standing in front of the, the Elm Street house, Kane Hodder is the oh, one yeah, that yeah. walks yeah. into the Elm Street yeah. house. Uh, the very first segment where she's standing in front of the Rabbit in Red pub, which is a callback to Halloween matchbook, Rabbit in Red. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's a, another uh, thing. Doc Holleran, who's uh, played by Robert England, later on you meet him, but uh, I'll just go ahead and tell this little tidbit. He's identically dressed and looks like donald pleasance in halloween at the same trench the coat, trench coat beard, the hat yeah whole, the beard whole all that yards. i mean there's a bunch of there's a bunch of little cool things like um they reveal later uh leslie vernon's real surname is mancuso which is a tribute to frank mancuso on yep. friday the 13th yep uh, it's just if you're if you're a fan of horror and you've watched all these slasher films, this this is a kick, man. They yeah. they do so many callbacks, it's fun. Oh, as you just said, Doc Holleran. If anybody thinks they remember that name just a little bit, then you know the main character from The Shining. Uh, Doc yep. Holleran is the guy that has The Shining. That talks Holy to, yeah. shit! Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he's the one that talks to fucking what's his name? Uh, Danny. Fuck Danny. Danny. Thank you. God, well, Danny's nickname was Doc. <laughs> yeah, Doc. So that's a fun little tidbit. I don't know. Um, they also kind of do a little Sam Raimi wink uh, when they uh, pull up to Eugene and his wife's house. Uh, the car parked in Eugene's driveway is the same color, make, and model as uh, Sam Raimi's. The same, yeah. Sam's famous uh, yeah. The yeah. only problem was it was a Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. Who could? It's an Oldsmobile. Yeah. Oh, Oldsmobile, there you go. <laughs> it's Oldsmobile. Um, it's not a Dodge. I love how things escalate to the point where they're trying to reference um, an idea for uh, Leslie's backstory. And he sets all the things up in the library yeah. scene. Because pretty much everything before this is pretty much by the book of like, um, we get that great scene with uh, Herschel from Walking yes, Dead. Scott Wilson. And it's cool that you do the homage to a past serial killer that Leslie has a direct love and admiration for. And you see ultimately what he's, what he's going to be striving for, for the film. He wants to be a master of fear. He wants to be a Jason Voorhees. He wants to be 
great at what he wants to do, his dream. But ultimately, he also wants to be kind of what Scott Wilson has, is kind of have the the legacy and his uh, final girl. Yeah, he he wants to end up with his final girl, like uh, his mentor. Yeah, because Scott Wilson is with his final girl in the the film, which is awesome, seeing that he has that love for his wife, and they developed (laughs) that awkward, weird, fun relationship from being tormented. The girl's been tormented by the killer. And almost uh, a weird way of uh, like Stockholm syndrome, yeah, almost exactly. Well, well, even Scott Wilson's like intro to the story is them going out into the woods and digging him <laughs> up out of a <laughs> uh, out of a hyperbolic chamber. I love that moment. Yeah, it's like sensory uh, deprivation chamber thing that Eugene uh, Scott Wilson's character uses. It's like just basically a coffin in like <laughs> under earth. <laughs> Pretty much. They, they walk up to the wife and she's like, "Oh yeah, he's playing out back. <laughs> he's fucking buried himself for three days." <laughs> well, I think it was supposed to be one day or two days, but not three. Yeah. And he goes, "How long have I been out? It's been three days." Oh man, I need to change my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it just turns into like a like almost like a thanks for coming over for dinner yeah. kind of scene with him and the the documentary crew. It's like, it's like a hangout. It's you know two serial well one serial killer that's established one soon to be serial killer hanging out just having a barbecue having fun. It's a complete opposite of what you would think you know serial killers would do on their off time. Yeah, I love how he's like. How he references back in the day, like back in my day, you know, son of Sam and all this shit that, you know, we did, we played by different rules. We were in and out quick, didn't want no trace, but guys like Mike, Fred, and Jay just yeah. changed the game, got to splatter blood everywhere and get Give their names out. known. Keep resurrecting. It's like, whoa, this old, nice codger dude is a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking, he's, he's hilarious in this, but like, it, it, they there's really scenes that are just fucking like they won't make you laugh out loud but they just put a goddamn smile on your face like that's what this whole movie's about it's just when i see scott it's a wink constantly at you we see scott wilson a few quite a few times at conventions and when i see him i see everybody go crazy because of this film or that film well they go crazy because of walking dead now yeah and then what i always fucking i guess i'm alone sometimes it's uh i remember my dad showing me this old black and white film called in cold blood and uh scott wilson comes out in with uh robert blake and i saw this at such a young age and i've seen it multiple times since it's uh based on truman capote uh book which is awesome if you haven't read it or seen the film i i i i recommend it because it's it's just part of american heritage stuff that we should enjoy and take part of uh but yeah, that's why I remember him from and seeing him so young in that film and then seeing like, you know, it's, it's basically the character uh, that I think his name is Dick in the film. And it's just awesome seeing him there like in the flesh. And that's that's just funny because it clicks into like, you know, like eight or 11 year old Jeff watching this black and white film at such a young age and uh, seeing that he gets this respect that he does for like playing characters like Herschel or doing unique projects and indie projects like this. It's really fucking cool. But uh, yeah, I always feel like when I go to the convention, I like, dude, I, I kind of want him to sign my uh, uh, William Peter Blotty film. Uh, I have a DVD that he did a film called The Ninth uh, Configuration, which is rarely seen, but truly admired, especially by me. And then uh, also in, in Cold Blood, I'd love to have him like sign my book or even like my DVD because, man, dude, that's like, I think it's getting close to like either the 25th or I want to say 50th anniversary or something like that. It's, it's about to hit a milestone this year and next year. But, uh, yeah, dude, like, seeing Scott Wilson come out in this indie film was just fucking totally awesome. Especially because he's sporting the, uh, Crutes, uh, Lockhart, Texas, uh, barbecue joint, uh, here. And it's, like, cool because, like, even they're, like, shuffling the sausage on the pit. It's just a cool, fun scene for any, uh, uh, local Texas fan of, you know, local barbecue. Do, yeah. do, you, do you think that references for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a I, I Texas w- hat barbecue? Probably. I thought maybe, but mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. Because this is supposed to be Maryland. Yeah. You know, so yeah. why else would you be wearing Where a Texas, Texas barbecue yeah. hat? Rep in, rep in Lockhart fucking Texas. And man. it's filmed in my my home country, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, outside of Portland a little bit. Uh, but a little bit west of Yugoslavia. Yeah. 
Yugoslavia. <laughs> yeah, right below the Republic of Georgia. It's <laughs> close to the Czech Republic. Uh, the first time I ever saw fucking Scott Wilson, uh, forever he'll be etched in my head as Governor Lou Wallace from <laughs> Young Guns 2. Fucking A, dude. I should have oh, yeah, shot his ass right then and there. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was. Yeah, I mean, pure luck with fucking uh, Danny Glover and fucking oh pure luck is great martin uh, short you've seen this oh my god you're like the only person no, when you were talking about the other that. film the other day i was like it i didn't know the title short time mm-hmm. but i knew the film like the back Daddy of my Coleman, head yeah. dude i always put hilarious that, i always put short time and i after i watched short time i would watch heart condition <laughs> with uh the fucking what's his name from uh who framed roger rabbit and uh denzel washington and, uh, bob hoskins yeah bob hoskins yeah. oh man and these are films that rest I think, in like, peace bob hoskins yeah yeah, yeah. boo Boo. But uh, these are the films I put together sometimes. Short time you've seen. Yes. I'm I've fucking seen, I've seen short time multiple <laughs> times, my friend. Hilarious. It's hilarious. Hilarious. I mean, other than, other than those two, I mean, I, I guess I've fucking seen him in quite a few things. But, dude, this guy's been acting for over fucking 40 years. He has so and, many yeah. projects that are just like, wow. And everybody, you know, like you said, everybody knows him as Herschel nowadays. Yeah, um, he's Herschel. That's his mainstream. It's a goddamn shame, because he's done some great shit oh, back yeah. in the day. Like, like I said, when I walk up to him, it's like I can't interview him. I can't talk to him, because it's like I am kind of like starstruck by the man, because he is. Right. Like, so is that why you sent me? Yeah, because okay. like it's there like go. it's like it's like it would be like equivalent to like me walking up to like Laurel and Hardy because you know it's like I grew up with them at such a young age. It's like he's seen him as Herschel is kind of like you know I don't know. It'd probably be the equivalent of Dab Dabney Coleman for me. Yeah. Like short time, dude. Fucking cloak and dagger. Oh, when Fuck. I <laughs> when I met Ernest Borgnine, I just I just, I couldn't do anything except shake his hand and say uh. Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> it was stuff like that. Blowjob? Like, dude, it was like, it's fucking... Line up know, for the handjob, sir. Mean, uh, I mean, Wild Bunch. I mean, there's so many projects that I've seen Ernest Borgnine in that I was always just like in all of them, man. Like, dude, you've been around night, like living legends and past legends. I mean, you're you're a legendary actor. You know who I'd pro- I, I recommend I'd probably get starstruck by? I've met Stan Lee, who is a huge influence on my life. I said, yep. thank you, Stan. You know, I I know I don't get nervous around people. I would get fucking starstruck around Emilio Estevez. Really? Really? Oh, dude, Mighty Ducks, Young Guns, like that. Men at work, dude. Men at work with Charlie Sheen (laughs) is fucking hilarious. Like that dude was a big part of my childhood. Like, really? Yes. Like (laughs) their Judgment Night. I mean, Judgment Night's fantastic. I I, I like Judgment Night. Uh, But yeah, like I would. I'd be like, Emilio, and run off like immediately. Yeah. Like everybody you sure else, you're just not gonna stand in like in line. Quack, quack, oh. my quack. Big, uh, quack, quack. quack. <laughs> I probably would. I, I don't know. I think the one, the main actor I'd probably really get starstruck around would probably be Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman from like doing Sid and Nancy to Leon the Professional. He thought it was White Boy Day. Uh, Fifth Element. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, he trumps Bela Lugosi in my mind. Wow. Fuck Bela Lugosi. Whoa. Whoa. Hold on a second there. Yeah. Hold on a second there. Sorry, I just redlined out and you guys heard static, but yeah. I'm ready to fart in this well, microphone. That's the thing. I think Gary Oldman did work. He did it good, but he is no fucking Bela. Lugosi didn't. No. No. You don't like black and white film. Don't fucking ever. Don't scorn Bela Lugosi because you don't like black and white. I, wait, it's wait, not wait. that I don't like wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Do you like American History X? Yeah. What? The- okay, yeah, he doesn't like black and white films. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, Aaron Norton was all right. Shush, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very man. Uh, that explains why he's universal. Yeah, he's. Not Are you my- telling me Robert De Niro's better than goddamn Boris Karloff? <laughs> now that one's. I, I don't really. Yes, <laughs> I give it to Karloff. Okay, barely. Oh, that's because Ken. Scene where he flops out of the tank and fishes around naked. And amoeba. Robert De Niro asks, is one thing I could have lived without seeing for a long time. And amino. Bella? Dude, no. No. He wrote how to play Dracula. Yeah. Gary Oldman played like four different fucking characters in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Six years later. Or 60 years later. I do. 
Okay, then you do. <laughs> I, I think I think the films. All right, we'll get into that as a as a direct. That's going bit. somewhere yeah, else. That's a different discussion. Reel it back. Let's reel it back. All right, we're behind the mask. <laughs> so after uh, Jeff gets starstruck by uh, Laurel and Hardy as he pulls them up from the grade, even though they were in black and white. Yeah, Scott Wilson's great. Skits. Scott Wilson. Uh, that whole scene with Scott Wilson was really fun. I think it was uh, really sets the tone to what. I mean, because it's fun because Taylor's there and Leslie's kind of laying out the ground rules of like his wants and needs kind of. I love that Scott's kind of, what's it? Eugene is Eugene, kind, yeah. kind of fucking his mentor. Like yeah. He, yeah. he asks questions and goes, well, the first thing you want is an Ahab. You know, the second thing you want is to scare the shit out of him. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. laying it all out for him. And uh, it, it, the diner scene's after this, right? Which Where one? He, the, the, with the brick and all that. Yeah, because he has yes. to do the dining scene yeah. to lead her to the, uh, eventually, the library. There's there's a hilarious scene <clears throat> where, uh, sorry, the camera crew is following him. You know, they're with him throughout this whole thing. He wants to document it. But he goes to this diner. He's like, you see that? That girl's my final girl. Every night at 10 o'clock, she comes out and brings the trash out. Tonight, we're going to fuck with her a little bit. Now, you guys are going to play an integral part in this. I need you. I'm going to place this brick strategically behind the door. So when she comes out, you pull the brick, and it locks her out. The fishing wire. She's fishing gonna, wire. Yeah, with fishing wire. <laughs> she's she's going to turn around and briefly see me in the shadows, and I'm going to duck away. Like, he, like just like every yeah. horror movie Does you've ever see seen. Does she not? Is it in her mind? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's so great. And they do, and they act it all out after yeah. he lays it out. Yeah. yeah, and they run back to the van. He's like, "Did you see that?" Yeah, he's just he's well, ecstatic about it. I love it. that that scene's that scene is the behind the scenes. The opening scene is literally that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, that was awesome. That's genius. And then they go to a, like, we're gonna go out of out of whack here, but he goes to a library and he's like, "I'm I'm going to strategically put my." history in the computer for her to see and zelda rubenstein makes a, a wonderful appearance uh if you don't recognize the name you she should played, uh, poltergeist t- she yes. played tangina yeah, yeah fucking uh scariest places on earth yeah she, where well, she uses Caroline. the voice she uses the voice from scary places on mm-hmm. earth to like tell the legend Leslie Vernon, which states him after being cast down into the waterfall, his body's eaten by turtles. All this elaborate fucking stuff that he gets into. It's well, the just... stuff he plants. He's hoping yeah. that she sees uh, the, uh, the like the newspaper clip, the article, that, the, the article that, that he photoshopped and made up, just you know as a passing by thing, and that he put her uh, his final girl's face in the picture because she's supposed to be related to him. And as and as Zelda's giving the backstory, he's like, "Okay, if she does this and this and this, this will happen. And if she says my backstory, I'll appear. But if that doesn't happen, then this and this and this will happen, and then I will appear. But either way, I'm going to appear tonight." He he, dude, it plots out so well, so well. Like yeah. I love how it plays on the horror tropes. Like, yeah, I'm gonna set this article right here. If she bumps into it, it's gonna fall down, and she's gonna look at it. And blah, 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 blah. Like he lays out these elaborate schemes that. Are backed up. Yeah. If this doesn't happen, this will happen. If that doesn't happen, this will happen. It's a series of events that will unfold depending on the character walking into the. Mm-hmm. Which um, which it kind of sets up the fun coincidence that he does do the initial scare or fear attack, whatever you want to call it, well, in well, the, the library. The first kill and uh, his well, appearance yeah, the first kill. It. Yeah, he kills off the librarian. And yeah. after that, he kind of he unknowingly sets himself up for. And Ahab meeting the new acquaintance, which was which is fucking fun to see in in in, in the film. Well, it's at first for Robert Englund too, where he's on the other side of the slasher, chasing the slasher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now normally he is the slasher; he's the menacing person. He's you know that trope, but this is the first time where he's actually on the other side. He's like you know trying to be the savior of, or the 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 stopper of the slasher. From, from happening it's funny the only movie that comes to mind where robert Ing- i'm i'm sure there's a few but where he's not a villain is wishmaster for me mm. he's like it's a 400 year old persian piece he's <laughs> <laughs> just so happy but yeah he comes in straight up rocking the donald pleasance outfit <laughs> he's cosplaying as donald pleasance fucking gnarly dude i love robert england and anytime he's out of freddy character i i love seeing him not play freddy 
I oh. love him as Freddie. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm Jackie Earl Haley. Rah. But uh, just seeing him in a good guy role yeah. every For now once. and then is fucking great. I mean, yeah. was it Thousand Maniacs where he was the head leader of the town? Yeah. The Mangler, he was the own, the shop owner or the But when he's a bad guy and ruined by the yeah. end of the Mangler. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that and Wishmaster. Yeah. You know, that's the only, I yeah. can only think of a few. Uh, but he's awesome man I fucking love Robert he opened for Macbeth three times <laughs> so did Alan Rickman three curtain calls I was an calls. actor damn it but uh yeah he, he he shows up in the library and Leslie Vern's like hopping around all fast like uh I'm just like movies too yeah cardio yeah. Yeah, cardio, cardio. cardio. <laughs> he shoots at him, and fucking they get out of there, and the camera crew's like, "Holy fuck, are you crazy?" And he's like, "Don't worry, I'm trying to pull the yeah, crew." You fast. got shot. <laughs> well, well, even as he's appearing, he's like, "Okay, where'd he go?" Oh, there he's over there. Oh, damn, wait, he's over there. It's like a damn gazelle. He's over the place. Yeah, that was awesome. I love it, man. Like, I, I, I love it. Like when fucking Michael Myers pops up around in this house and that house and in this car. This movie explains how and why. Michael's got some serious damn cardio going. He does. The motherfucker does sit-ups all the time. He does that CrossFit. (laughs) You mentioned him in that mask. That'd be hilarious. (laughs) He's like he's he's doing the ropes. You know, he's like he's like doing the rope things at at a CrossFit gym. Danny Trejo getting him water. Make me a mask. See. <laughs> what kind of survivor girl passes out in a pinch? What kind that bounces on a pogo stick? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's got, he, he takes him to school campus, the, the film crew. They're sitting in their truck, and he's like, that's my final girl. If she doesn't work out, I've got this other girl. And if, they, you know, and, and they're surrounded by this group of friends. There's the two stoners on the side of the building. There's the two jocks. There's the two drunks. There's a party. Wait, wait, well, he's, right? go, he's going through and he's explaining why you need one of each because there's certain types of people. He's, he's like, he's like, man, if you want a body count, get stoners. They don't run that fast. <laughs> they don't, yeah. they don't have cardio. You can always catch them. That the is athletes, a lie, sir. <laughs> the, the athletes, they're really fit. And yeah, it's really hard to catch them. Hey, so those uh, are the ones you go after first. That's a yeah. bold faced lie. It was funny. I'm dangerous Very like funny. a dwarf, but... Yo, you say you're dangerous at short distances. <laughs> short distances. <laughs> but I'm usually very in tune to what's happening. <laughs> but he's, like, going through explaining the different, you know, tropes of, you know, groups and, like, statuses with the with the kids. Like, the potheads, the athletes, the rich, the preppies. If uh, she doesn't work out, I've got backups and backups and backups. Like, oh, yeah. It's so good. But uh, the, the one funny... The mo- one moment is whenever uh, they're in the van watching, stalking these kids, and uh, the girl that he's looking at, she looks at the van, and he's like, did you feel that? We had a moment there. We, we locked <laughs> eyes. And it's just like him going off in this tangent about how, you know, they were one for a split second by locking <laughs> eyes and the wave, the wavelength patterns and this and this. And it, it's... Th- this guy's just really energetic about, you know, killing people wanting to set up his, his, uh, his kill cast. That whole scene kind of played out like uh, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> to me. It did. It did. We had a moment. Sparks flew. Emotions ran high. <laughs> she actually talked to me, man. <laughs> but, uh, but at the restaurant, he tells him, don't talk to her. Leave her. You can do whatever mm-hmm. you want. Leave her alone. Don't interact. And yeah, he sees that the film crew's kind of getting squirrely. Yeah. Well, at, well, after the library scene, uh, the film crew goes to the restaurant. And they're like, uh, you know, the, Taylor really wants to interview this girl. They want to talk to her. And when they walk in there, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, the Ahab is uh, is in there kind of watching Stalking. over, protecting yeah. this girl. And he notices them with a the camera and the, like them kind of doing their thing. And uh, he starts to harass them. He's he's like you know what are you doing, you you know where he's at don't you, you you, like you know what he's doing, and the waitress is looking all terrified. You know she's got bags under her eyes. She hasn't slept. She's uh you know she's looking out for herself, and uh you know they 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 quickly leave. And when they leave, Leslie's there. He's like what the fuck guys? Yeah. What what did I tell you? Don't don't talk to her. Don't don't leave her alone. You're gonna mess this up. I've been working on this for so long. Messing up my my Batman plans. What the hell? It's elaborate. It's so I believe this is the point where he takes him to the barn or to to the ha- the killing ground, yeah, if you will. Like he's he's gonna show him the setup. 
And so he walks into this room. He's like, I will be hiding in this room. These two fucking drunks will come up here and start fucking. Yeah, I will make my entrance. I'll saw this tree branch down just a little bit. So if the final girl jumps out the window, she'll grab this tree branch, fall, hurt her ankle. Like he just lays this house out. He knows exactly where they're going to run. Yeah, where all the surprises are. And if they don't, he's got backup plan. Like this dude plans and plans and plans. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, he bolted all the windows, rerouted the power box, uh, replaced the to, fresh to flashlight batteries with dead ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was awesome, dude. That. He went to like such extravagant like ways to make it perfect. Sabotage all the weapons. Yeah. Cut the tree limbs. Oh, it's. it's... Uh, yeah, when he pre-cut the tree, uh, the tree limbs, that was like <laughs> that was my favorite. That was awesome. And uh, and he's going through the plan of like. Where the kids are gonna run, or where like where the people are gonna run, where they're gonna go, the time limit of what they have, or he expected the uh, the final showdown to even happen in yeah. the uh, the orchard, uh, the press room, the yeah, the apple press room, the apple all press that stuff. Room. That was awesome. And the barn, yeah, like yeah, he's he's just going through telling him his entire plan and what's gonna happen, and uh, you know that or is it that night or the next night is whenever he gets yeah, it uh, yeah. set up. And what fucking bothers me is that Taylor, to fucking whatever end, she still expects that Leslie isn't going to go through with it. Like, he's not going to... It's all for show. Yeah. It's just all for show. And it's a, it's when she's in the room that he's waiting in uh, to do his first, you know, ha- that that night kill. Yeah. Uh, that she thinks it's not going to happen until he's, like, psyching himself up. He's put the mask on. And then... Uh, he kills those two people with the sickle. Yeah, with the sickle. That's his yeah, choice. Of that was like when she finally, finally knew, like, oh, he's serious. He's really going to do it. Yeah. He's really going to do Which it. Which is a beautiful scene. And then he comes back in, and he sees that she's freaking out, so he takes everybody out to the van to uh, say, hey, you need to go. You, yep. need, you need to leave. Go. Yeah, resistance starts happening. He's like, look, bitch, you're not ruining this for me. Go, go, get yeah. out. Get out of here. I, I love that she's like, oh, guys, we gotta do something. Where's your balls? And the guy's like, why do you have to mention the balls? <laughs> <laughs> why you gotta do that, guys? But yeah, they uh, decide to go in and warn the rest of the kids. And yep. Slaughter is about to happen. But uh, I think Leslie's like somewhere else and he's starting to stalk them, everybody again. He's but, looking uh, through the window. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. He but, sees that they run back in, and he's just staring. wait, like no, like he's doing that pose in the front, like in the front yard. Well, no, what, what was funny, <laughs> yeah, flasher pose. Well, she, she yeah. yeah, they, they, the Taylor goes in there with the guys, and they, they start telling everybody, and they're all like stone or whatever the fuck in the house, and then they're wondering where the final girl is, and that's the scene that makes me laugh because like she's upstairs having like this wild fucking sex, fucking up the well, first cowgirl. She's supposed girl. to be the virgin. She's supposed yeah. to be. The, that's why she's the final girl because she's the virgin. And, uh, yeah, she's riding a reverse style with a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> with a cowboy hat. You know what? If for having some DNA in this movie, there's the most awkward boob shot I think I've ever seen in my life. The two kids in the basement. Oh, God. Like, well, it's uh, like the camera's just staring well, at her well, boobs. Well, like, well, that's whenever, <laughs> well, that's whenever Vernon's telling her how his setup. He's like, I'm going to do this and this. And she's like, Leslie. He goes, hey, it's my story. <laughs> because he's, like, focusing on the boobs and yeah. playing with the nipple and everything. That's my story. <laughs> but it's not, like, a side shot. It's, like, full, full on straight. Yeah. And then a hand comes out of nowhere and starts pinching the nipple. It's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, there are, like, nice boobs. There's some really Great cool egg. kills in this fucking film. Like, he does some really cool work with the sickle. I think he actually cuts a guy's head off in half with the sickle in one shot. Then he does that infamous scene where he gets the, the post digger. Yes. <laughs> he goes right into the chest and pulls out the guy's heart. But then he takes hands the heart out. <laughs> he takes the heart out of the fucking post digger, hands it to him. The guy's just like, Ugh. I was like, <laughs> that was awesome. But yeah, uh, so uh, what does he do? How does he get them all out of the house, Aaron? I can't remember. He starts, uh, they find the bodies upstairs. The With the first couple that he kills. The reverse hi- cowgirl people? No, 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 the couple before that. Uh, remember, remember when they're hiding in the closet and he goes out there and kills oh, her? Yeah, yeah. And then he takes Taylor outside? Yeah. Doesn't the final girl, like, does jump she out just, the window? Yeah, she doesn't listen to Taylor and she jumps from the tree and the pre cut uh, tree limbs, they, that's what takes her out, like, kills her. She, like, falls yeah. to her death. That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Because you're betting that she's going to be the survivor. Yeah. And then that's 
literally thrown out the window. Oh yeah, like that. It, it's it's over. It that it, dumb it's bitch gone. didn't want to listen to Taylor, and now she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the crew races outside, and uh, to I, I, that's when it kind of leads to them trying to escape Leslie Vernon on that shit. And uh, he kind of baits them to follow him. Uh, I forget, like. Like they uh, they catch him up in the middle of the orchard, and then that's when he breaks that one guy's neck. I forget. Well, and the, what happens is that they run. They all run to the car, their van, because they think that their van is safe. And then Taylor's like, "No, it don't. It's no use. He's already got it." And then when they try to start it, you uh, get nothing. <laughs> Good day, sir. Pretty much nothing happens. But there's but that's that's where the the bodies from the kids who went to the basement are. He stuffed them in the van. Gotcha. And, uh, level up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's when they were like, okay, crap, the rule's changing. So they all start running, and the, and the, the fat caravan's like, screw you guys, I'm going toward the road. Yeah. And, you know, freaking Francis from Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventures huffing and puffing as he's running his 40 feet, and he gets tired. And then he falls to his ass, and then Leslie's just slowly stalking his ass. Well, like, Leslie reaches him, and the guy's like, Leslie, it's me. It's me. And he's, like, trying to fight him off. You know, he's pulling at his mask. He's pulling at him. He takes he, the mask off. He takes the mask off. Face. This is the fat guy? Yeah. This is the fat guy. <laughs> he tries. <laughs> you know. Cardio, as Leslie said in the beginning. He didn't have it going for him. Stop that. Stop playing that. Don't Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he he, he ultimately uh, what, breaks his neck in the, yeah. in the field in the middle of the road. It's, just it's important because he takes his mask off yeah, to he do does. it like, yeah. hey, motherfucker. Yeah, he snaps his neck like right there in the orchard. And uh, so as that as that's happening, the kids are running back into the house towards the barn or towards the yeah, and yeah, towards the barn. And that's when we get the and that's when you get the twist. That's when you get finally get the reveal because they're like, why is he doing this? You know, if if what's her name was the final girl, uh, and she's dead. You know, like that was her version. Oh, she wasn't, and her friend, she wasn't a virgin. Like, kind of playing off like she was the school hoe. And the girl, and the finally Taylor's like, what? Well, it was, I'm a virgin. Who's yep. a 30 year old virgin? <laughs> and that's when you get no, in the barn. All that no, stuff. God, please, no, <coughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah pretty much in the barn that's whenever uh, uh as as he's playing it out you start to see the the flashbacks of what he's doing yeah but uh robert unglin makes the his his uh his ahab return. ahab's here to save the day nope stabbed <laughs> stabbed to the shoulder he's down <laughs> he walks through the door <laughs> all he does is like i'm here da da Bam, deer down, down. indisposed. <laughs> Which is awesome. It, it was funny because you expect him to at least last a few more minutes. Yeah. But he's immediately taken out. He's and immediately then, taken uh, out. I think Todd steps up for one of her cameraman guys, uh, tries to like kind of fend off Leslie while she escapes through that window with all the fucking sharp shit at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. And then she escapes. Well, he gets knocked out. Like he gets doesn't he get knocked out or uh like Bludgeoned to death, bludgeoned out. Oh no, she, she gets out of the barn. I know she ultimately makes it to the fucking apple. He goes press. after the two kids that went up the yeah. roof as she escaped. Yeah, he takes them both she, out. Yeah, and then just as he said, she runs through the apple orchard into this the apple press, little yeah, shack apple room. press shack, yeah. hen house where the final showdown happens. And it's it's real like. Even though she knows exactly what he's... He's already laid out all his plans to her. Yeah. Yeah. She still is following his path. To a T, yeah. To Like, yeah. To, Where to else are you going to run? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they end up in this apple orchard, and I get confused by the ending, so I'm going to let Aaron and Jeff fucking roll with it. So, uh, Aaron. <laughs> so, Taylor and... Taylor and uh, Leslie are fighting. You know, she's... Uh, Pretty much, he sabotaged all the weapons, and she and she grabs one of the sabotaged weapons. He, she grabs the axe, and he makes a comment earlier in the film that pretty much they have one, maybe two strikes with this axe before it breaks or falls apart or comes apart. And uh, she takes a swing, and she misses the first time. But then that second strike, she gets him right in the chest. Yeah. Boom. 
leans forward, head goes in the apple press, and she presses his head, you know, with yeah. you know, with the apple press. And uh with authority. With authority. And either having him dead or incapacitated, she then reaches for the gas can. Yeah. She's and she sets that bitch on fire. Everything. Yeah. Hot apple cider going everywhere. So everything's ablaze and she uh Well then it's revealed that, you know, as everything's ablaze that uh the Ahab is just injured. He's he's okay, and he's he's mortally wounded. So is Todd, I think. And Todd is like he's he's got a bump on his head. You know he's coming out. And, you know they're all all three are the sole survivors of this night. Yeah, they're basking in their uh, their win. Their win for tonight, and uh, that's where it kind of goes to the credits. So he di- he dies in the apple press. He he, yeah. di- he dies in the apple press, like he predicted. And it was pretty. It was when I remember in the theater, it was pretty fun, but underwhelming. The ending. I was just like, ugh. I was just like, what? But then the music plays. You get some, uh, you get some good songs. Great ending music, man. Oh, man. <laughs> when uh, Talking Heads came up and Psycho Killer came on, I was uh, ear to ear grin. And then seeing the uh, post-credit scene actually about, take the whole fucking credit scene about was a awesome. minute. Well, a minute after the credits debuted, that's whenever you get this black and white footage of like a security camera, and you see this mortician kind of setting out his tools. He's getting things ready. He's setting things up. He's washing his hands, putting on gloves, and he goes to the store and he opens it and he pulls out this body. And yeah, like yeah, this is where you see Okay, yeah, this is this is Vernon's body. Something's gonna happen. Something. There's a reason for this scene. There, there's a there's a big reason. And uh, as he's washing these utensils again, he's doing this. Toward the end of the song, you see uh, Vernon sit up, like he he does you know he does an Undertaker type sit up on uh, this gurney, and uh, you know that well that's he he's made it. Vernon has made it. He's a legend now. Ta-da! He did his resurrection <laughs> move. He, 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 did, like, he did his resurrection. But how it always plays uh, with the the movies, you know, the slashers that we've come to know. I mean, you've seen this a hundred times. You've seen Michael do it. You've seen Jason do it. Uh, what, what calls to mind directly is uh, Friday 4. Reason in the mm-hmm. morgue and the breath comes out. Yes. You know, yeah. The whole, I'm not dead yet kind yeah. of thing. But, um... For me, it was uh, the Halloween. Whenever uh, the kids run out from the house and Lori's in the room by herself, and mm-hmm. in the background you see Michael just sit, sit up. up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It plays all. I mean, it plays so well to all the slasher film. If you're an '80s and '70s, '80s, '90s kid, you 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 will recognize every little bit of this. You know all the cliches. Mm-hmm. You know all the cliches. So, um, why don't we jump into kind of some final thoughts. Let's hear it, Jeff. Um, I'm glad I saw this in theaters. I saw it, like I said, uh, the ending was really underwhelming, but me and the wife had a great smile on our faces to see uh, the Talking Heads song kick on and uh, see that long credit scene. I think there was only like two or three of us left. Mm-hmm. It was just me, the wife, and maybe three other people that actually just stayed there and stood up and looked at the credit scene playing in the theater. So it was an awesome ending to watch in theater. It it held a uh, some strong uh, a, a deeper impact than the uh, you know just the heroin and the uh, Ahab kind of staring at the fire uh, yeah. ending. Yeah. Um. It was fun. It was really really neat. I expected great things from the director, the screenwriter, and even Nathan uh, Basil, who did a tremendous job as a uh, playing the lead actor in this film. Um. Everybody did a stellar job. It's nothing you don't see too often in indie films. I don't think I saw anything like it until I saw maybe Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead with such mm-hmm. fun originality that just came out of nowhere. Um, I see why it kind of goes under the radar. It is pretty different as Low far budget. as it being the mockumentary yeah. kind of yeah. style. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I meet people today that still have never seen Spinal Tap, but, you know, hey. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Those are but communists. The, but those are just people that those don't, uh, they don't get that style. I mean, I mean, I, I know people that never seen Monty Python films, but it's totally to the fact that they don't accept certain styles as being legitimate or uh, have value. 
And hey, that's Tomatoes Motto, you know, whatever. But when I saw this film, it's not A1 horror film, but it's definitely A1 indie horror film for me because it's not like, it's not there to scare you. It's there to fucking entertain the shit out of you. And they do a great job at taking a, an original idea and really spinning it off. It's something that's very familiar to all of us, which is, you know, the playground it plays at. Uh, what do you think about it, Aaron? Uh, well, this one is a favorite of mine. This is one of my top ones just because it's different and original. Uh, it's very behind the music esque, behind the mask, behind the music. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just really something I enjoy. All the cliches, all the little Easter eggs, all the throwbacks, all the you know the hidden gems. Uh, it's just very entertaining. And uh, uh, this is a film. Whenever I hear people talk about, oh, there's there's not a good horror movie out there. You know, oh, I'm looking for something to watch. I always recommend it just because it's different. It's not a, it's a not something that it's not something that's that, that you're going to be easily finding, which is kind of a shame. But it's always something that I highly recommend to people who are uh, who are fans of horror, who are fans of like the Freddies and the Screams and the the Jasons and the Halloweens. You know, something different, something that's just fun. Uh, one of the cool things is recently I actually got the like you know me and Jeff actually got to talk to uh, Nathan Basil at a convention and just seeing his enthusiasm when he talks about this movie, you know, really plays out in the film because it's the same enthusiasm. It's the same excitement that he had in the film. He still has about talking about it. And, uh, that's just something, that's just something that, that you don't really see with, uh, a lot of actors and their roles that they've done. And, uh, again, I mean, he just, he, when you're watching this movie, he has fun making it. He has that energy that is just, that draws you in that, He's a normal guy that just wants to kill people, you know. The only difference is that he goes through with it. But uh, it's just a really just fun movie. Uh, it's a really good find, uh, and uh, it's just entertaining. Like Jeff said, it's just fun and entertaining. It's it's nothing gory. I mean, there are some some little gory demises, but uh, it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. So, uh, what do you think, Nathan? Well, I, I agree with you both. Uh, one thing that this movie has going for it completely is a ridge of fucking-ality. It, um, you know, the, there's a lot of mockumentaries out there. There's a lot of, uh, whatever you want to call it, real footage, found footage. Yeah. yeah, faux documentary. But what this movie does so well is it taps into the vein of all these slashers being in the real world and explaining how these things are done. Why does Jason appear behind every corner? Why does Michael pop up in the right places all the time? Pre-planning. Cardio. Pre yeah, pre-cardio, <laughs> but pre-planning like a motherfucker. I'm like, you know, there, uh, as Leslie Vernon does, he's got three, four possibly five or more fucking scenarios. He only lets you know of two, but he knows exactly what's going to happen. Not from a psychic or a ghostly standpoint. This is one of, it's a, a, a series of uh denomination. You know, you can only do so much before you end up here or you end up here or you end up here. And it's, it's a fucking fun watch. I'd, like I said, this movie sat on my shelf for three years. I had no interest in it. I thought the mask looked stupid as shit. But I think that's kind of the point. If I'm not mistaken, it's kind of the point of it. It's, it could be kind of ridiculous, but I am going to be a fucking killer. No. I want to be this iconic fucking thing. Um, It's just a man's drive to legendary status. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking am glad that I watched this. Would I highly recommend it to people? I think I would. If you're a slasher fan, you should watch this. It's not, like Jeff and Aaron said, it's not boo. It's not jump out scares. It's not overly gory. But it explains those movies that we love so near and dear how they do it. And that's, that's kind of my final thoughts. 
And I agree with you on that. I mean, to me, I don't recommend it to a horror fan. But the horror fanatic, I think it's a good thing. Like, I think if you like all the George A. Romero zombie films, you watch Son of the Dead to have a break and have a good laugh and mm-hmm. see something original and fun. I think if you like Halloween and Friday the 13th, you like a lot of the horror genre, then you watch fucking Leslie Vernon because it's fun. It's a good mm-hmm. break from... With a big smile. Yeah, a big smile. But no, I don't class it as like, oh, you want to watch a good, you want to watch a good scary movie? Watch Behind the Mask. No, I would never push you down that alley because I'd be lying to your fucking face. Yeah, this isn't a a scare movie. This is not at all. Smile at what you love type of movie. Exactly. It's like it's 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 a nice break, and it's so done so well, so original. It's so fun that I don't know where it sits. It's like. Yeah, it's really good. It's kind of like Cabin in the Woods. What Cabin in the Woods did to just that that genre. Yeah. Great reference. It broke. It broke a lot of fucking genre. Oh, yeah, it it's, it's a like a love of... story. This is Leslie Vernon is a love story to the slasher films. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is a love story to the zombie films. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods is a love story to just horror in general. Because uh, the fun thing I, I think I did the other uh, last time I rewatched it is I noticed that the uh, the Hellraiser puzzle box is actually in Eugene's uh, house. Oh, it is? And it made me laugh. I was like, oh, shit. Where? Uh, sitting on one of the tables it in, is. The, in one of the scenes. I think it's right when they're cooking. You kind of see a coffee table and it's just sitting there. Yeah. I was huh. just like, wow. And I think there's a Chucky reference. Too. I think there's even more than one Evil Dead reference. I know the car. Gotcha. Reference. Car. I, just, I know the Hellraiser one caught me off guard. And I think there's a Chucky reference. If 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 I believe so. But like I said, it was like I watched it just to rewatch it and refresh my mind for this fucking episode. But uh, where's yeah. the Chucky reference at? I don't know. I think it's it's yeah, actually I think it's a, it <laughs> I'm I sure it's it, in there. Yeah, it's there, but I think it's it's more of a like someone's wearing a good guys doll T-shirt or something. I think or? that no. or it makes. I mean, <laughs> it's not that point. I think it just makes a crack at like what are you gonna do like like a have like a toy chase after you or something. Like that. It's just a reference oh, okay. to Chucky. Okay, but it's something very it's there. Smart quirk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, it's fun. I'm glad to revisit it from now and then and uh. It's like you said, it's like a good film to pass on if people haven't seen it. It's like, hey, you like horror movies? Try this. You know? Try it out. Yeah. It's the spinal tap for horror films. Definitely is. Definitely is. Now, would y'all recommend this as a, a rent, a buy, or a download? Um, A rent for me. Because I personally, I, I, I think I, I bought it on DVD. Mm-hmm. I had a copy, but I recently had to borrow it from somebody just to rewatch it. So I was okay. like, yeah. But I haven't run out. And like, like I know if he had the Blu-ray, I haven't, yeah. I haven't made like purchase. I would uh, classify it as a download. And if, uh, if it's in your taste buds, if you're a slasher fan, I would guess that you would go out and buy it after that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I wouldn't say rent it because you, pr- you might feel gypped. Uh, keep in mind it's low it's low budget i mean mm-hmm. this is it, it, very much get, indie for me i don't get as multiple uses out of it as i do like Shaun of the dead and stuff like that correct it, okay. it's not okay. it's not uh Shaun of the dead is very polished very fucking well written funny hu- like it, it's punch you in the face humor yeah where this is yeah. subtle all everything's subtle it's not supposed to be a, a roar laugh it's not supposed to be a fucking shriek scare it's just kind of like that middle toting yeah but it's smart though exactly it's It's very smart if you if you grew up in the i would say the 80s uh, yeah let's just say the 80s yeah you're gonna get every minute of this movie you're gonna fucking go (laughs) like little chuckles like Mm -hmm. ah you motherfuckers i see what you did there that's what this movie does for you so I would say it, it's a it's a torrent level, but it's not a negative torrent level because people like me that love slashers, you're gonna like this movie and eventually buy it. Yeah, Aaron, for me it's a buy. Just be, and I say that because I I do have it, but also when you watch it with a group of friends who have never seen this before, you can kind of watch the reaction as the plot's unfolding, as everything's coming, you know, back and. You know, the pieces are coming into place. It's fun to see the reaction because they're like, oh, wow, well, okay, I see what they did there. I see what happened. So, uh, for me, it's a buy just because it's 
it's entertaining it's fun and sometimes you have to have those fun movies to to enjoy it doesn't have to be overly gory no it's it's to be fun i just feel i feel gypped after after talking with nathan uh basil and Mm -hmm. and the screenwriter when we met them at the terror expo i feel gypped I mean, 10 years, and all we have is this one film. I think there was a deeper mythology, a deeper story to get into. But uh, only having that one film, um, yeah, like I said, I've probably maybe seen it three, four times tops. Because I just, like, I enjoy it. It's a good film, but it's Mm -hmm. not like um, the repeat value is just not there for me uh, at all. It's understandable. That's understandable. I don't know. I've 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 rewatched it several times, and yeah, I enjoy the I enjoy the replay value just because I I'll start to notice things I didn't notice before. Yeah. Uh, now I have to watch it again to kind of get that uh to see the uh the Hellraiser box the Hellraiser box. Yeah, it's a list film for me. It's not it's not a B film. It's just not like uh you know I don't sit home and watch Apocalypse Now every day either, and I and I don't own Apocalypse Now, but it's a great film. <laughs> I do. You own it? <laughs> Multiple versions. <laughs> right. It's like uh, sometimes when I see a really great movie, that's enough for me. I, I think I find the uh, uniqueness and the profound uh, things I don't see every day to be the, the true things I, I do carry with me. Okay. And watch multiple times. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really just a fun punch in the face. Yeah. Rewatch value? You may rewatch it. You, you may... You may enjoy it like Aaron. I enjoy the fuck out. I will rewatch this somewhere down the line, but it's not one that I'm going to immediately go back to. Yeah. But when I was watching it, all I had was a big smile. Oh, yeah. Definitely. yeah. And I didn't expect that. When Aaron told me we were doing this podcast, I was just like, ah, I finally have to open that fucking box. <laughs> like, <laughs> terrible. But uh, fuck, I'm glad he did, and I'm glad I watched it. Uh, being He knew I was a slasher kid, so... Yeah. It was just like a one-two. Uh, I immediately was in love with it. Nice. So, yeah, it was a fun movie. If, and if we dug it, and if Jeff tolerated it, yeah. you definitely should watch yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it was in color, so. <laughs> which is easily a plus in my book. You never want to go black and white. God forbid your color cartridge goes out on your oh TV. My God. I think I'll just read a book. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? You can't. Black. Pages are black and white. Fuck it. I, I, I can tolerate that. I haven't read Where the Wet, Where the Red Fern Grows oh in God. Century. I was like, I, I War and Peace. I would, Fuck War and Peace. No. <laughs> That's too big. <laughs> I look at that book and just use it for firewood or something. Yeah. It's too big. I'm not doing this. I have mice and men or something. Yeah, so, uh, something like that. I am both happy and sad that you have joined us for the <laughs> look behind the mask of uh, Leslie Vernon's uh, awesome film. Um, so from us, from the uh, Deep in the Heart Texas studio, this is Jeff. This is Aaron. Reverse cowgirl! Fuck yeah! Oh, I'm Nathan. That's what she said! <laughs> and uh, try to keep it scary.
Thank you for listening to Deep in the Horror of Texas. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on the iTunes or Stitcher radio app. And above all, remember to keep it scary.